armored tunic staring at him with a derisive gaze. A Roman centurion named Plautius, he commanded a garrison of thirty legionaries stationed aboard the ship. Two vessels approach from the south, Vitellus replied. Pirates both, I am most certain. The centurion casually gazed at the distant ships, then shrugged. Mere insects, he said, without concern. Vitellus knew better. Pirates had been a nemesis to Roman shipping for centuries. Though organized piracy in the Mediterranean had been wiped out by Pompey the Great hundreds of years ago, small groups of independent thieves still preyed on the open waters. Solitary merchant ships were the usual targets, but the pirates knew that the Byreme galleys often carried valuable cargo as well. Contemplating his own vessel's lading, Vitellus wondered whether the seaborne barbarians had been tipped off after his ship had left port. Plautius, I need not remind you of the importance of our cargo, he stated. Yes, of course, the centurion replied. Why do you think I am on this wretched vessel? It is I who has been tasked with ensuring its safety until delivery is made to the emperor in Byzantium. Failure to do so would mean fateful consequences for us and our families, Vitellus said, thinking of his wife and son in Naples. He scanned the seas off the galley's bow, noting only rolling waves of slate-colored water. There is still no sign of our escort. Three days earlier, the galley had departed Judea with a large trireme warship as escort, but the ships had become separated during a violent squall the night before, and the escort had not been seen since. Have no fear of the barbarians, Plautius spat. We will turn the sea red with their blood. The centurion's brashness was part of the reason that Vitellus had taken an instant disliking toward him. But there were no doubts about his ability to fight, and for that the captain was thankful to have him near. Plautius and his contingent of legionaries were members of the Scoli Palatini, an elite military force normally assigned to protection of the emperor. Most were battle-hardened veterans who had fought with Constantine the Great on the frontier and in his campaign against Maxentius, a rival Caesar whose defeat led to the unification of the splintered empire. Plautius himself bore a wicked scar along his left biceps, a reminder of a fierce encounter with a Visigoth swordsman that nearly cost him his arm. He proudly wore the scar as a badge of toughness, an attribute that nobody who knew him dared to question. As the twin pirate ships drew near, Plautius readied his men along the open deck, supplemented by spare galley crewmen. Each was armed with the Roman battle accoutrement of the day, a short fighting sword called a gladius, a round laminated shield, and a throwing lance, or pilum. The centurion quickly divided his soldiers into small fighting groups in order to defend both sides of the ship. Vitellus kept a fixed eye on their pursuers, who now stood within clear sight. They were smaller sail and oar-driven vessels of sixty feet in length, roughly half the size of the Roman galley. One displayed pale blue square sails and the other gray, while both hulls were painted a flat pewter to match the sea, an old disguise trick favored by Sicilian pirates. Each vessel carried twin sails, which accounted for their superior speed under brisk winds, and the winds were blowing strong, offering the Romans little chance of escape. A glimmer of hope beckoned when the forward lookout shouted a sighting of land ahead. 
Squinting toward the bow, Vitellus eyed the faint outline of a rocky shoreline to the north. The captain could only speculate as to what land it was. Sailing primarily by dead reckoning, the galley had been blown well off its original course during the earlier storm. Vitellus silently hoped they were near the coast of Anatolia, where other ships of the Roman fleet might be encountered. The captain turned to a bulldog-shaped man who wielded the galley's heavy tiller. Gubernator, steer us to land and toward any leeward waters that may avail itself. If we can take the wind out of their sails, then we can outrun the devils with our oars. Below decks, the Kelyusta was ordered to beat a rapid-fire rhythm. There was no talking now between Arcelian and the other oarsmen, just a low bellow of heavy breathing. Word had filtered down of the pursuing pirate ships, and each man concentrated on pulling his oar as quickly and efficiently as possible, knowing his own life was potentially at stake.